Hello everybody, this is Dr. Fred. I am responsible, I am accountable, I am capable of assisting people to find their true voice and then deliver it effectively into the world around us. With 40 years in mental health, 32 of them as a psychiatrist, and then a massive amount of conversations, including podcasting and expert speaking, keynote speaking, I have the opportunity to really see the magic that it takes to find one's authentic self and then deliver it effectively into the world. And if you're like me, you can see that now more than ever, that's what's called for. So today is that day. Now is that time. Come forth. Join me in the broadcast. You'll see on the other side of this at True Voice with Dr. Fred. Come forth. Come forth. <laughs> Come forth, Star. Come forth, friend. <laughs> Have you come forth yet today? Four times. I actually came forth four times so far this morning. <laughs> That's a great way to start the show, man. I haven't come forth yet today. This is the first time I've come forth today. The day is young, man. You can <laughs> Still got several hours ahead of me here. <laughs> so how are you doing with coming forth today, buddy? Oh, boy. I wish I could really talk about how important coming forth has been in my life today, but uh, we're not, there's no uh, no room on this show for that. But you can only imagine. I mean, it's a, it's a sense of depletion. You know, it's a sense of energy depletion that happens if you either do come forth or don't come forth. You know, I mean... Uh, here, here's the thing. I, I just got off of a, uh, a course that I'm teaching. This uh, mastermind got launched today. The mastermind having to do with my course, the True Voice course. And, you know, as you know, and uh, hopefully we probably have one or two listeners that are listening for the second or third time or, you know, on the way home, can't find a better station. Or maybe they're actually really just interested in what it is that we bring forth. We bring forth that we, you know, we come forth. Bringing, when we are right? coming forth. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, coming forth. I wonder, is that F-O-R-T-H? It might be F-O-U-R-T-H, which changes things entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Who's first, second, and third is what I want to know. <laughs> this could get oh, into a really man. bad scenario in our minds here. Yeah, let's uh, let's see what we can do to dig dig each other a little bit out of this uh, rabbit hole. Well, uh, hello, everybody. I'm I'm Dr. Fred, and welcome to the True Voice with Dr. Fred podcast with my uh, frequent guest, uh, my frequent co-host uh, Sam Morris is here, my my best bud, and um, I'm hoping that we can have a great conversation. It's not like we rehearse the conversations at all, but I have to say, Sam, you know, there's things on the table that we can talk about, and we know about them, and. The audience should know that uh, you and I, for whatever reason, have had a little hiatus of uh, four or five days without really uh, any direct contact. So we should be able to come forth with some new new information here, like a new way of looking at life, because four or five days in this lifetime and the world turns in that time. So what's happening over there in your world? 
Well, I'm I'm working on uh, rather than coming forth, instead taking that same energy and using it sort of in this tantric way to kind of uh, you know draw it up the spine and um, you mm-hmm. know elevate my consciousness. That's what I'm working on over here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been I've missed you, man. You've been deep knee deep in in some uh, really intense stuff over the past few days, and yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, sometimes you go through these times when you, you you get seriously involved with something, and then I I just have to pray to God that you emerge out the other side with uh, you know a, a, the same sense of humor and and uh, wildness that uh, I know you with, and and sometimes I get a little worried that you might uh, take life too seriously on the other side of these intense things that you take part in. So tell yeah. me about well, it. What's I, going I, on, yeah, man? I learned last week that the sense of humor is. Um... You know, it's not worth having. Oh, okay. No. All right. It's not, so it's toss that having. one out there. Yeah. All right. All right. Good. So good we're not going to do got the, that. We're not going to do the funny thing anymore. Now we can, we can get rid of that. That's yeah. good. We can expunge that, which leaves us about uh, maybe uh, what? 54 minutes to just sit here and stare at each other and try yeah, to think no, of something here's the thing. important I, to talk about. There is important things, serious things and serious things that really require, re- require no humor at all like Mm -hmm. it's it's very important i mean sometimes smiling will just disrupt the flow lead me down this dead deathly boring road of seriousness please and i'll try to follow as best as i can no really have you ever noticed like you're you're in the throes of something and you're you're you know you're trying to say something serious and then someone laughs and just screws up the whole process Sure. Or yeah. when you're trying to laugh and then someone says something serious and that really screws up the whole process. Yeah, that's true too. I, you know, I told the joke, someone told me to tell my favorite joke. So I did tell uh, my favorite joke the other day and I guess I can do that. Cause I'm, I'm just withdrawing. I'm withdrawing from a sense of humor mm. because you can't do it. You can't just like, it's not a cold Turkey thing. You gotta, mm. you know, you can do it a little bit less each day, like tapering. Mm. Increasingly solemn. Right. So here, here, here's the story. There's two guys. I think I might've told, ever tell you a story about my, uh, about the red lights and the two guys driving with the red light. I think I told you that story. Right? Yeah. I think you told me, but, uh, repeat it. Bears, it yeah, it's worth repeating. Two guys, it was clearly, two guys. it was clearly so memorable that I've completely forgotten about it. Yeah, I only two guys are it. driving in a car. Let's say they're Sam and Fred and, um, you know, and I'm driving and, and you're in the passenger seat and we, uh, you get to a red light and uh, I just go whew, right through it. And you're like, Fred, what the fuck, man? I, we were, uh, that was a red light. Don't, what, what were you thinking? And I'm like, I play it off. I'm like, eh, don't worry about it, Sam. You know, my brother does that all the time. And you're like, I really don't care about your brother. I don't want to get killed. I mean, don't go through red lights. They're meant to stop at a red light. You're supposed to stop and, you know, just wait until it turns green before you go. You know, Sam, don't worry about it. But my, my, my brother does it all the time. So a few blocks later, we come up to another red light and whoosh, right through it again. And you're like, dude, I told you I don't want to go through any red lights. You know, and now you just went through another red light. And I don't think I can, you know, I'm not going to be able to drive with you or even hang out with you if that's how you're going to be this reckless. I mean, you got to you got to stop at red lights. I, I, you got me all really, really nervous and worried. And Fred just says, you know, hey, Sam, just chill, man. My brother does this all the time. So we uh, we go through another one, you know, here comes another red light, whoo, right through it again. And Sam's like, dude, that is freaking crazy. Don't do that. This is how people get killed. I don't want to get killed today. I just want you to follow the rules. Stop at a red light when you see red lights. Fred's like, 
Sam, I'm trying to tell you, man, my brother does this all the time. Ain't no thing. And Sam's just thinking about, you know, getting out of the car at the next possible opportunity. Well, the next possible opportunity actually happens at the next green light. Green light. Fred stops the car cold at a green light. And Sam's just looking out the rear view mirror. He's like, whoa, whoa. You got to keep going in a green light, man. This is a green light. You got to keep going. He says, yeah, I know that's how most people take it, but you never know if my brother might not be coming from the other way. <laughs> oh, no wonder I'd forgotten that joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, can we still do blonde jokes in this current world, in this current social well, let's, atmosphere? Let's, let's does make sure does that, that the, still uh, work? Yeah, if you you got a blonde girlfriend, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Florida. I do. She, I yeah, mean, so I can, uh, so I've got the authority to do, and she would totally be this type of person too. So it's perfect. Uh, what is <laughs> this? What is this sound? <laughs> what is that sound? It's a blonde at a blinking red light. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I haven't told that one in a while. That's a classic. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, well, I got another one. We might as well wipe out our jokes here. So I got another one. Um Another man, you know, Fred, he's just driving down the street and then he stops at a red light like he should. And he looks out on the sidewalk and there's a guy walking with like four penguins. Wait, well, he's walking with what? Four penguins. penguins. Four penguins. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah. In the I'm main street. He's on the main okay. street. All right. And so he, he goes, he rolls down his window. He's like, dude, what what is going on? He goes, uh. Yeah, I got these four penguins. I don't know. We're just taking a walk. He says, dude, you should take those penguins to the to uh to the zoo. You should take those penguins to the zoo. He goes, yeah, that's a really good idea. I think I'll do that. Thanks for the help. Goes, and you're crazy, man. You, you know, I get it, but just take the damn things to the zoo. He says, yeah, I got that. Thank you so much. Thank you for the assistance. So a couple of days later, he's driving around the same neighborhood. And he pulls up to another red light and stops. And uh, right next to him, car pulls up. And it happens to be the same dude who was walking with the penguins. And the penguins are in the backseat just having a great time. They have funny hats on and shovels and pails. And they got like beach balls. And they're just uh, whooping it up. You know, they got little bandanas on and all sorts of sunglasses. The whole shebang. So, uh Rolls down his window and he goes, dude, what is going on with you? I saw you the other day and now you're here again with the penguins. What happened? He goes, oh, yeah, I've been waiting to meet you. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you. Uh, We had so much fun at the zoo that today we decided to go to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Mm. Wow. All right. Where do we go from here, Fred? It's Where do we take it you know, from we got, here? 
Look, we let, we could go into two goddamn jokesters. You, we could go into a lot of seriousness here. Um, you keep on wanting to go to this seriousness thing. I'll go there with you. I'll go there with you. Well, you seem to have something on your mind. Sacred geometry over your shoulder there. Let's, I, yeah. saw that, I saw you post that. Give me a little clue about what that whole thing means. It's called the Sri Yantra. And uh, it's going to be about the most boring thing in the world for people who are listening to this right now and not seeing it on video. <laughs> the Sri Yantra is an ancient... Hindu, Hindu, Hindu symbol, uh, sacred geometry, and uh, my understanding is that it is sort of supposed to represent uh, the multiple dimensions of human consciousness and their relationship with the source energy of the universe, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And this particular symbol is meant to be stared at intentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not meant to be just a, a pretty piece of uh, triangles and uh, overlaid on top of each other and and uh that type of thing let's see there's probably all kinds of uh, not only triangles but gosh we've got uh wow lots of pentagrams and all sorts of things in that um but but essentially it's uh it's a meditation tool and the idea is that you stare at it and the more you stare at it the more it sort of uh, brings you into a state of uh, sort of um, suggestibility, if you will, hmm. and uh, opens is supposed to sort of open up your consciousness. And it's a spiritual tool, really, that they use in uh, yogic traditions. Hmm. Thank you so much for that. You know, it uh, it it to me, it's not re- really. Uh, there's something about it as it gets to the middle where I get confused as my eyes sort of run towards the middle. And I wonder if it's actually symmetric. You know, there's like a part of me that gets that somehow there's that, that maybe it's pointing down more than it's pointing up or something. And I really do get that it's symmetric, but something happens every time I've looked at that before where I'm not sure inherently that it's symmetric. It sort of looks like there might be some flaw in the middle that makes it non-symmetric. But I, the, the more I, I might have it. to pull out a measuring stick later, or I might have to go and grab some LSD out of my uh, oh, no. closet and check it out and see how that affects my perception. Yeah, of you it. might just want to roll a pendulum around it first before you go for the LSD, you know, just see what they say. Yeah. yeah hey, if y'all want to call in and break into this really amazing conversation we're having, it's one eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. It's one eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. We'd love to field your call. You know, if you want to join us and really start looking at some of the uh, metaphysical, esoteric aspects of life and humor, and um, you know, it's just uh, it's time now. I'll tell you, Sam. Here's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go halfway up the halfway up the rope here and ask you a little bit about. You know, we were doing the artist way together. We are doing the artist way together, limping through it. We're limping through it, I think, at this yeah, point. It went from a raging fire over the first few weeks to uh, uh, burning embers burning right now embers around week point. seven. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of predicts that we might go through a phase like this. So I don't feel mm-hmm. entirely offline, but I am having a hard time even holding on to the basic uh, morning pages at this point. Um Tell me a little bit about what's happening to you inside of your own discovery of your own artistry, your own guitar work. What are you bringing 
what are you bringing to the public these days? What What's happening to you? I noticed some shifting in your posting and who you now know yourself to be in the world. Why don't you tell the, tell the world a little bit about what you're up to? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Happy to. Well, there's a number of different projects. Uh, I've got a, a TV series that I'm working on that's in pre-production and uh, I'm Unfortunately, not at this stage of the game, free to uh, talk about what that topic, what that theme is. Uh, but that is a process that I'm working on right now. I'm also working on a book. Um, this book is going to be, the, the working title is Unparalyzed. And uh, for those of you listening, I was in a car accident back 23 years ago, which left me paralyzed from the waist down. And... Uh, I have been ever since then, well, before then and after then, really fascinated with the topic of what the things that come into our lives, which uh, make us feel paralyzed. And um, you know, I've frequently people have reflected that I tend to have a very dynamic mind that is able to move very well. Um, I guess the you know, relatively speaking, the, the gears tend to turn pretty well up there, even though sometimes it doesn't always feel like it inside of this mind of mine. Uh, but uh, so I wanted to reverse engineer kind of uh, what's going on inside of me and what my own practices and philosophy, et cetera, are and how, what sort of look into get take a sort of look inside of the inner workings of my own consciousness and uh, which is what I've been doing with my coaching and my teaching for a number of years now, and really looking at what I see works and what doesn't work in terms of living a life of movement um, that is a unparalyzed life. And then using the principles uh, that I've discovered along the way, wisdom, traditions, psychology, philosophy, et cetera, and, uh, and, and practices to implement into your own life so that your own life can become less paralyzed. And so that's the, that's the theme of that book, you know, along with that, then, um, you know, I'm also, I was just playing my guitar just before we started today. And, uh, my dog Kona, who is a 20 pound Havanese mix, uh, has this tendency to howl along with my guitar playing. And I still have yet to determine whether he is very upset or if he is enjoying the process. And I don't know that I will ever know. And that's a very strange thing to play guitar as much as I do and have no idea if my poor little dog is either wrenching in pain or is actually enjoying himself quite a bit, or if it's somewhere in the middle and it's neither, I don't know. Maybe it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I suppose with blues music, it's sort of, partly about the pain and partly about the pleasure anyway. So maybe he's just, um, you know, maybe he's just a lead dog vocalist or something like that. And he's just expressing his cathartic voice through my guitar playing. Well, you know, Howlin', um, Howlin' Wolf, right? Is it, he's a pretty serious uh, blues, blues player, right? No doubt. And so let's see what we can do here. Shining just like gold, but I don't 
Yeah, so somewhere along the line, we got a canine howling. Yeah, so coincidentally, my dog played on the remake of that record. And he was just a second ago, he was just scratching me on the elbow to let me know that he was hearing that record and saying, yeah, man, I played on that shit. All right. Well, let's, yeah. let's, play, let's finish this baby off. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was great. So, listen, I wonder if, um, you know, it could be both about Kona. Could he be in pleasure and deep pain at the same time, like the blues bring forth, like Holland Wolf brings forth? Yeah. I think that I think that's what I'm going to lock onto here. I think that's exactly what I'm going to lock onto is that the, that that's the state that Kona is in when he's hearing me play and he's going, yeah, I got, I got that in me too. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, exactly. oh, oh, yeah, exactly. You know, and and hey, I mean, well, interestingly enough, you didn't know that I was you were creating a little segue without even realizing it, so. I like to listen to the Andrew Huberman podcast, Huberman Labs podcast. Those of you listening here today, I can't recommend it highly enough. If you want some very interesting, accessible brain science from a neurobiologist, he's a neurobiologist at Stanford and he does a podcast. It's on, you can listen to it on YouTube called Huberman Labs. And he gives practical advice describing what does what inside the brain and how to learn about it and how to apply those principles to living a more functional, more fulfilling life. So very much along the lines with your own podcast here. And uh, one of the things that he was talking about was the relationship between uh, dopamine and motivation. And so Dopamine, you know, most people look at dopamine as the reward chemical in the brain, that it's the chemical that is, go that is associated with receiving a reward. Actually, it is more closely associated with the motivation to receive an award or a reward, which is why, for example, you might feel really good um, in a situation where you are leading up the moments leading up to having sex, you might feel really good in the anticipation of the sex. You might feel better in the anticipation of it than you actually do in the result of having had it. And so there's this, this, that's what, and that's, that's what causes coming forth. Isn't that? Because was, uh, that's how you come forth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, same with uh, same with drugs. This is, so it's it's this is why it leads to an addiction is because it creates the motivation revolved around the anticipation of a reward. And he was talking about how uh, uh, this 
is related to performing in, in work as well. You know, we deal with a lot of these tasks that we really don't like to deal with. And we motivate ourselves to deal with the task by anticipating a reward that will come farther on down the road. You know, well, if I stick with this long enough, then a few months from now, I'll be able to get that big payout. And then, you know, I will be able to get that car or whatever, or I will, you know, fill in the blank. Come forth. So come forth. Exactly. Exactly. You'll be able to come forth a few months from now. So, (laughs) but the problem is um, the more we have that time bound anticipation, that gap of time between the present moment and that Mm. perceived reward, the harder it becomes to actually get the motivation that we need to be able to get the, uh, to get, to get the job done. Mm -hmm. So then people rely on more caffeine or they rely on heavy music or something to, to generate the energy needed to get to that reward place. And that's why we slug through stuff and we procrastinate and we have a hard time getting stuff done is because there's this big time gap between the thing that we are doing and the reward that we are anticipating. So he was saying a way of working with that is to start to train your brain to experience a reward from the process, from the hard work. So you're actually, when you are doing the hard work, you're telling yourself, this is good. This feels good. It's, you know, it's very much along the line of David Goggins, who is all about, you know, he's just this hardcore post uh, ex Navy seal. He runs every day as hard as he can. And he's just, he leans into the pain of the process. And that's where he gets the reward is from leaning into the pain versus imagining some reward down the road. And so you actually trick your brain into start to starting to associate good feelings with the process. Mm. And the more you can trick your brain into associating the good feelings of the reward with the process, the more effective you can be because your brain starts to generate its own dopamine or around the process so you're essentially training yourself it does it doesn't sound like a very sexy process but it's a very functional process Mm -hmm. and it allows you to work harder while feeling better and i have no idea where i started this tangent but i know that you set me up for this segue somehow with what you were saying Hmm. you remember where we where i branched off and began this i that's a long time ago i don't yeah yeah, I've just been I've just been on the ride with you trying. To, yeah, you know, so so here's here's my so I listened to that and I thought, well, that's that's cool. Um, I can work on that. Yeah, I, I know that I can work on training my brain to enjoy the process more, so that I, you know, don't procrastinate as much and that kind of thing, and uh, start to enjoy the hard work more. But then I also thought, here's if we can do that. If we can train our brain to experience joy and pleasure from hard work, then we could probably do it with other things too. So, and then I thought, okay, here's my my life hack. I'm going to introduce a new life hack to you today, Fred. A life hack. A life hack. A life hack. Like a notebook, and is this a take notes kind of thing? This is this this is is real simple. I can promise you, you're going to remember it. All right. The more unread messages in your email inbox the better you feel about yourself. Okay. Help me out. Help me out with that conclusion. I miss, I must've missed part of the, 
it doesn't make any logical sense. It's just we're, we're just working on improving your sense of well-being here. So from a logical standpoint, you'd look at your, so, so here's, here's where I got there from. So I heard him say that first thing I did after that was I picked up my phone and I looked at my inbox on my email and I noticed this sort of sinking feeling like, Oh God. Uh, uh, And I've noticed that feeling a lot when I pick up my phone and look at my emails like, oh God, oh, what's what's gonna be in here now? Like, what have I not handled that is in my inbox? I probably missed out on warnings from the IRS that they're gonna come knock my door down and arrest me and bring me into prison. That's the type of thing that I sometimes think when I open up my like, yeah, the the I have not paid some bill or something has happened and they're gonna come and arrest me and things are about to really suck. They're about to get really bad. And I'm like, wow, how many times a day do I have that feeling on some level of looking at my inbox and having this negative association where it just causes me stress? So I thought, okay, well, if that life hack can be applied to hard work, well, I'm going to apply it to opening my goddamn mail, my email. And every time I look at my email, the more unread emails I see, better I'm going to feel about myself. I'm going to tell myself, good job. You've got more unread emails. Well done, sir. Carry on. All right, Sam. Well, well, you go ahead and do that. And can you report back in a few weeks to us about About your own sense of self. You're going to be my first my on my phone call when I go to jail. You're going to be. I have to memorize your number so I can call you from jail. (laughs) Fred, bail me out. You know we uh we've already made. I mean, time flies when we're having fun. We've made it to halftime, and I'm really appreciative that you're on here uh, listening. I uh, the second half plan, you know, promises to be at least twice as fun as the first half, and so I'm hoping you hang on. Sam and I got plenty in store for you. And if you want to join us and really, really add, you know, three uh, as a party, the name to do that is the way to do that is to call us at 1-888-627-6008. This is True Voice with Dr. Fred. And what we're really here to do is create a space that opens up the possibility for you to bring your true self forward, like your own uh, a genuine core uh, message. And True voice is what that's aimed at. And so Sam and I are kind of dancing around today. Um, but really, if you have something you want to speak to that may either be more important or more funny, uh, actually humor is still a lot on the show, uh, by all means, give us a call at one 627 6008 In the meantime, enjoy uh, enjoy this commercial. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Fred again. I wanted to explain to you a little bit about one of the names I have called the Undoctor. What is the Undoctor? Well, after about 15 years in the field of me being misaligned with what I was doing, because I was medicating people even knowing that medications were not the right answer, and I was diagnosing people even though I didn't always believe that they had the diagnosis that I said that they had, even though they did meet the criteria, etc. I like seeing humans for exactly who they are and who they're not, and not as a diagnosis. So in 2006, I began the process of becoming the undoctor. 
I unmedicated, undiagnosed, and then undoctrinated a bunch of people. Like people no longer had to come to a psychiatrist because their conditions cleared. This isn't true for everyone. It may not be true for you, but for some folks who know that their diagnosis doesn't fit and who know that they don't want to keep going through with medications and don't want to be seen as someone who's defective or afflicted, this turned out to be a great intervention. Over time, I stopped doing that and I no longer do a whole lot of conventional psychiatry. Now I just help people walk through their life and find their true voice. I connect with people straight up, not as if there's a power gradient between a doctor and a patient, but it's two humans connecting and resonating with each other. As it turns out, that's where all healing emanates from. So today, I've developed the Welcome to Humanity brand over the last six or seven years, and that really takes into consideration all of this. It is self-explanatory. Basically, each and every experience that we have with humanity is just as exquisite as another, even if it's deeply uncomfortable. From there, we get to actually share these human experiences. From there, we get to resonate and connect, and from there, healing takes place. I also have been helping people with their true voice, and that's why you're here today at True Voice with Dr. Fred. I help people find that true voice, really their authentic self, their core value system, and then deliver it effectively into a world that is eagerly awaiting to hear you. Without your voice, no one will ever hear you. And without your true voice, no one will ever know you. But with your true voice, you can find healing, peace, and love. True voice is what it takes to end all wars. So welcome to True Voice with Dr. Fred. Welcome Music back, very dramatic is uh is, is one's true voice really as dramatic as that uh, final little bit of music there? Go, yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it four, is. When you hit 432, when you hit that 432 hertz, you know, boom, boom, like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the true voice right there. Boom, boom. Yeah. I was, yeah. I, you know, I, I was talking to my wife the other day, last night, about um, this notion of futility. And it seems like, mm. you know, one of the things that you just brought up in um, this, uh, this dopamine, this dopamine theory um, is a way to not be depleted and not lose hope or not lose faith, like a way to have um, an interest, uh, you know, that the, these people uh, like to, to find power in day-to-day, moment-to-moment activities, uh, you know, for which the reward isn't so far ahead of us that it doesn't matter anyways. Like it, this idea of futility seems to be the enemy here. Mm. Um, when I believe that it's futile, you know, life is futile or my relationship is futile or my pursuit is futile or, Mm. uh, you know, what I'm, what I've been thinking is important is not at all important. Um, that, that is when I, um, you know, that's when things shift, like futility Mm -hmm. appears to be sort of the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's a very uncomfortable feeling to get to the space where it doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what I noticed that you know recently, because of some of the some of that work you were talking about, and and our good friend the six foot eight behemoth just tried to call me, but um, 
when I wake up really early in the morning, 4.30, 5 o'clock, something like this, I bypass in some ways that morning futility because I can be I can be really taken into the throes of a morning futility where really I have no idea why I should get up. Life looks, you know, miserable, meaningless, and frankly, terrifying moving into the future. And uh, futility, seem, the sense of futility seems to set in. But when yeah. I wake up early or when I change, like you're just talking about with uh, the parameters of maybe where to get my dopamine bumps or, or whatever, you know, if the purpose of my life, for instance, is to grow and relate to my wife. And rather than to make a difference, like, you know, to do whatever I can to be with her, to grow into whatever love of a man and a woman can, can design, then futility becomes sort of less likely if that's what I use, you know, so even if we're going to, even if it's, even if we're going down in an Armageddon, it's still, you know, off to the side, I'm working at staying in love, you know, with love with my wife. Speak to what you know, if you don't mind, about futility and the the, dis, the dissolution of futility. Like how, when does futility set in? What can we do and should we do anything about its experience? Is it a made up concept? It sounds like it could be, uh, you know, just designed by our own self. Or how can we uh, either work around it or, um, or in some ways integrate or conquer it? Yeah. That's a fantastic question, and I'm looking for what exact angle to take on this, first of all. Uh, so first of all, I think that the the notion of futility is, um, it is largely, uh, well, first of all, it's largely a made-up concept. It's something that is a, an agreed-upon uh, reality. And it's also something that I think has uh, some importance as well, because, you know, we as a, as an animal or, and as, as a, as a being need to know on some level that what we are doing is going to be moving our lives forward. We have to have that sense that there is forward movement and if there isn't forward movement, when, then we better identify the thing that is preventing the forward movement and and take it out of our uh, our take it out of our lives. Uh, and yet, at the same time, here's where I think that that there is uh, a big, big gray area to look at. At the same time, we can potentially be doing something that has um, a long-term benefit um, that we have not yet come to fully realize. It has not come into high resolution yet around what the benefit of that activity is. And there are going to be a lot of moments in any life where you are simply slugging through a process and I think that frequently people abandon their direction uh, and start over with a new direction when things get tough. You know, if I if they feel like, oh man, I've been doing this for a while and no money's been coming in, and I was expecting this to bring money in, and and now no no money is coming in. Well, I, I think it's very important to do a very deep and honest uh, analysis of that activity 
at some point and go, okay, is this really futile or is this just part of this process? And is there something here for me that I can learn from? And is there something here for me that I, is this where I normally get stuck and is, and what's happening with my self-talk right now is what's happening with my self-talk, something that I can actually work with noticing and creating a different form of self-talk around so that I can keep going. Can I, can I see this as an opportunity to, to notice that at this stage of the game, when I'm deep into a project that I, my pattern is to give up and, and, and find something new to do, or is it truly futile? Is this really a waste of time? And I think that the, the challenge is identifying whether something is actually a waste of time or whether it is something that is just we, we're hitting up against our patterns of resistance that are natural in any process of achieving any goal. And so there is in, in any goal that is worthy uh, of our endeavors, there is going to be a time where we are going to want to give up. That is part of the process of achieving any goal. Uh, it's just natural. It, and if if the goal is, you know, somewhat uh, minor, then maybe there's not, that's not going to come along with it. But anything that's really worthy of our attention, taking on some big endeavor, it's going to create resistance, and we're going to want to give up. So I think that having a uh, really checking in and being honest with yourself in that process and looking at, well, is this really a waste of time or is this just me doing what I tend to do in these moments? Oh, you're muted. I think. Thank you so much for that. It seems like this really fits very nicely on the last topic you were speaking of because it seems like it would only be hopeless if I, I'm willing to equate the reward with the end product. It's only hopeless if I get that, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this, meaning the end product as I once designed it to be looks like it's uh, no longer possible, no longer uh, worth pursuing. But if I did what you spoke of, which is, you know, this idea of the, uh, you know, being, um, being better off with more emails or uh, leaning into the work involved or, you know, like change the reward site, change where in the sequence reward is available, then hopelessness and futility seem like they would be much less likely. Like if what I'm doing is waking up and leaning into the pain of the day and getting that that is where pleasure, pleasure and worthiness um, uh, arise from, then futility is much less likely in that, in that configuration. It seems like it's yeah. a nice combat to futility. Yeah. Futility as an, uh, as an association with being attached to a particular outcome, I guess. is what. Well, I and I think that that's a big part of why people give up on projects is because they do have that attachment to an outcome. So, I think that when most people are moving in the direction of a goal, there are there tend to be a few different forms of outcome that they're seeking. It's a recognition through status. Um, 
which is attached to, and I think a lot of these things are attached to evolutionary psychology, uh, recognition through status or money or freedom. Or maybe you can maybe add connection to that connection with others that there are those, those drivers, those motivating forces that we want to have recognition. We want to have money. We want to have freedom. We want to have connection. Those are tend to be the drivers that, that make us motivated to get something done. And yet at the same time, we cannot guarantee that any endeavor that we take on is going to bring us those rewards. And I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking about, um, what if Van Gogh had been were, painting his entire life only for recognition, status, money, or, or connection, or freedom? He never would have, he would have given up because he never received any of those things in his life. I think he sold one painting, if I okay. remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I think Van Gogh sold one painting in his entire life. And he died miserable and arguably insane. And not that we want to encourage dying with misery and feeling insane, but also we also don't want to encourage anyone to give up on some endeavor that that they feel called to do simply because they are not seeing the recognition and the and or the money that they anticipate we don't want to make the reward so overwhelmingly um attach attach ourselves so overwhelmingly to the reward or when we don't see that reward happening over a certain period of time then we are going to naturally want to give up because we just don't have the we can't cultivate that energy towards the the achievement of that reward. And so it does go back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of training yourself to experience those good feelings in the process so that you can maintain and sustain that direction of doing that work. Now, could be that you're doing so much work that is simply not being applied effectively. And that can happen as well. So sometimes people will be working really, really hard, but they don't actually have an avenue or a strategy for bringing the work that they're doing and the value that they're creating to, they don't have a strategy to receive the reward of that work. And so that's when it's, that's sort of a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's been true. Certainly. I I think that that's, uh, you know, with, with both you and me, I know that there are ways in which you and I both work harder than we see the reward for in many situations, which can be rather unmotivating to be showing up. I mean, the vast majority of work that I do at this stage in my process of my business, I don't get paid for. And so I'm putting in tons and tons of energy into my business and into my life that isn't receiving a direct reward. And so part of that is a structural issue. That's a matter of, okay, what is it about the way in which the message is being communicated and the way it's being received? And what are the things that are standing in the way of that energy being, uh, you know, like getting the clogs out of the pipeline? So anyway, uh, yeah, 
your thoughts. Yeah, it's uh, um, the this idea that there is, uh, you know, it's like being committed to something at a level for which it's much grander, or or in some ways even much um, closer. Uh, than the reward that's waiting. Like, why am I doing this? If I'm doing this in order to have a big payday, um, that seems like something that can break down pretty easily. The big payday hasn't come, and I'm, I thought I would have a big payday. Here comes another bill that I don't know how to pay. Uh, screw it, you know, screw it. I must have gone down. I must have created something uh, not worthy of further pursuit. However, you know, like looking at the True Voice course, for instance, this uh, True Voice course where uh, listeners can find me at uh, the URL to find us, and it's really coming, really coming, um, coming together beautifully. At TrueVoicePodcasting.com is where the uh, landing, where the you can learn a little bit more about the course. But looking at that, I uh, I'm taking a course with uh, with uh, uh, Dean Graziani and and uh, Tony. Uh, that's called Project Next. That's all about the creation of a course, and uh, it fell into my lap this week. And I've started watching videos. And there's this idea of um, can I design something that actually overpowers any uh, that actually uh, which which I say like supersedes any uh, particular time when disempowerment is likely to show up. Can I have my motivation be larger than anything that can actually step in its way? Can I have it be so aligned with my purpose on life that there is really nothing that can step in the way of me doing it, you know, of me uh, taking steps forward? If all it is is mundane, you know, like all I really want is some number of tens of thousands of dollars per month or something, then that is going to break down. But if I'm aligned at the level of my, let's say, my true voice, if I'm aligned at the level of my core value system, if I'm doing something that is absolutely larger than what anything that I could see that could actually step between me and it, then I don't, it's almost like I don't have to worry about whether or not it even ever gets achieved. I I can use it as my North Star uh, to continue to, uh, create in a direction rather than in a pursuit of an actual arrival at a destination. Um, it seems like at this stage of my game, I can do that. It actually seems like that's available, that that's not so woo-woo, you know, that that's yeah. available, especially well, since I've done the work. Yeah, and, and what I'm what I'm hearing you say correct me if I'm wrong, is attaching yourself to something that has meaning that transcends your own mm, tendencies towards maybe procrastination and, and giving up, like that there's something that is a deeper calling. And this is kind of how I operate too, is I have a vision for humanity that I don't know 
whether or not it is something that we will ever be able to accomplish. But I can see that there at least is this possibility that humanity evolves into something that we have never seen before, where there is a co-creative element, almost a shared philosophy and understanding of how exceptional being a human being is. And that appreciation of how exceptional being a human being is, is so powerfully embedded inside each one of us that we naturally cooperate. We naturally move beyond our selfish egoic desires. And we are naturally, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, 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 how do I even put this? Like a, a holistic, psychological, philosophical shift in human nature that we have not seen, but I feel like we could be on the precipice of this in the next several decades or maybe in the next couple of hundred years. We're not there yet, but I feel that we could be going in that direction. And just that possibility is what excites me. Mm. And I know that that is something that I may very well not see in this lifetime. And I don't have kids other than my puppy. I don't have uh, anyone who I am accountable to in terms of my direct family line, but I do have the extended family of humanity that I will include in my family line. I don't have, they don't have to be biological family. They can be friends. They can be strangers. They can be others who I want to see the seeds of human potential grow and flourish. And so that vision for what may have the possibility of happening, even if it's well beyond this physical life is what motivates me to keep showing up to doing what I do. I love it. Well, I'm really glad you do what you do. And uh, I, I, uh, I pray that the world doesn't serve up something that actually is large and nasty and um, wicked enough to just dislodge you because uh, you're a great man. I really appreciate being your friend. I thank you so much for co-hosting and being right here with this conversation and bringing your unbridled truth. It's really, really fabulous. And, you know, for me, it's, uh, while you're talking, you know, I still find this, there's, there's like a natural, yeah, but yeah, but what if, and, you know, Phil, what if blah, blah, blah happens? Could that actually? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then the, the question then becomes, what is that spark of potential that transcends cynicism? Exactly. And that's, you know, it's like, what is that thing? And, and we, and it's a sort of an indescribable thing, but so many of us can relate to it. It might be that feeling you get when you hear John Bonham's drumming and it's like, oh, God, there's a spark. Or it might be that experience. I mean, I'm just talking about some of my own experiences when I hear Jimi Hendrix guitar playing and it's like, oh, yeah, there's something in there that is so profoundly beautiful. It's prophetic. 
not pathetic, prophetic, you know, that sort of, there's a, there's like a prophecy embedded in the light that we share with each other. It's like, if we can focus not on the news cycles and not on the circumstances of the present moment, but instead feel and experience the prophecy that's embedded in the light that we share with each other. That's where the power's at. Rocking it. there you go perfect example you could look at that song when the levee breaks by led zeppelin you could look at that song from the angle of oh my god we are experiencing the verge of the breakdown of civilization you know oh shit the climate change this war that world war three if it keeps on raining the levee's gonna break you could look at it as a cautionary tale or you could look at it from a place of optimism and you could look at it from that space of you know if we keep on raining down and bringing our light into the world eventually we are going to pierce through the cracks of the unconscious stuff that keeps us in, in the, the state of stagnation and just wait till you see what happens when that levy breaks. Wow. That's about the most profound shit you've ever said. I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> we have reached the end. That was just brilliant. That what a great take on that song. Thank you. And, um, Thank you, everyone else, for listening and for being with us as we spool through so many different things today. Uh, you know, it could be that Kona actually has an understanding of when the levee breaks. And that that's right. Same yeah. Brian is the same shit that you're talking that's about. That's right. That's right. It's all about howling away. Howling away. Awesome. He has an optimism that I count on a lot of the time. So, um, Thanks again for being here, everyone. It's been a deep, deep, deep pleasure. Uh, before we go, I'm going to play one more song. Speaking of Kona. And uh, let's see if we can get this.
Thank you, everyone, for being here. We'll catch you on the flip side next Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. Really, really great. See you then. Thanks for everything. Bye for now. Hello, everybody, and I just wanted to thank you for getting through another episode of True Voice with Dr. Fred. Wasn't that great? It is so much fun to interact with people and then interact with my listenership about really finding True Voice and then bringing it forward. I really have never done anything more important than this, and I'm finally aligned with myself by helping others find their True Voice. Let's find your alignment. What do you really want in your life? 